You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Nolan is standing by. Hey, Wacky Bruce. Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome. To another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. I almost did it this week. I almost called the podcast. This is going to be a short one. As part of the running joke that I've had with my listeners about every time saying, hey, it's going to be a short one and it never ends up being that way. But I think this is the one. This is going to end up being a short one. The NFL Combine is this week. And with the NFL Combine comes the unofficial start to draft season for many people. They see somebody at the Combine, they go back, they watch them for the first time, already biased by the information that they received at the Combine, and so on and so forth. If you were a meaningful college football fan, a lot of these people you already know. But the narratives will start to come hot and heavy on draft prospects. And so I want to touch base on a couple things that I think are going to be salient to you as a listener in this environment, starting right now and going for the next few months. The first one is the decision of some prospects to not do specific workouts at the combine. I saw a comment on the report that said that Marvin Harrison Jr. was not going to work out at the Combine. And the comment just said, diva. And that's what got the whole thing spinning for me. I want to talk a little bit about people who decide not to do that. And I want to put it in this frame. When you're up in a football game and there's four minutes left and you start running your four-minute offense because you're up by nine and you want to drag out the clock. You want to make sure that whatever it is, they don't have two possessions left. And so you start going to more ball control offense. You run the ball a little bit more, bleed the clock, things like that. Does anyone think you're being arrogant? Does anyone look at that strategy in a football game and think, gosh, the ego on this team, how dare they? They think that they're just good and they can just ball control their way to a victory. They're not even going to maintain the same course 
that they had for the remainder of the game. No, no, they're not going to do that. They're going to be arrogant. No, no one does that. Nobody says that. Everyone goes, that's the smart move. Secure the victory. Do what you got to do to secure the victory. You're up by nine. There's four minutes left. You have a four-minute offense installed into every offense in football for this reason. Run the ball. Play ball control. Make sure you don't go out of bounds. Make sure the ball doesn't hit the ground. Bleed the clock. Win the game. Secure the W. That's exactly what these top quarterbacks and players like Marvin Harrison are doing. If Marvin Harrison does nothing, he'll be a top five pick. If he goes out there and performs poorly or tears an ACL, he's less likely to be a top five pick. Marvin Harrison is securing the W. He's ahead on the scoreboard. He's securing the W. Do you know the people who do get criticized and should rightfully get criticized for that behavior that I mentioned in the football game? The people who start running a four-minute offense against a stellar defense when they're up by three and there's eight minutes to go. Those are the people who you go, what What are you doing? What, did you think you were going to bleed eight minutes against an unbelievable defense when you had 90 yards to go and you're up by three? That's not the time for it. And for players who are maybe late first-round picks or day two guys or day three guys or potentially their target is being undrafted free agents and they'd like to be drafted. They want to get on somebody's radar. Those are the people that the combine was created to do. It's created to elevate draft stock. If your draft stock is already top five, what are you worried about? It's not diva behavior. It's securing the W. Sure, would you like to get as much data as humanly possible on players? Of course you would. But it's no different than, sure, I'd like to score as many points as humanly possible, but what matters is the W. What matters is the W. Would I like more touchdowns for a fantasy team? Sure. For statistics at the end of the year, for maybe MVP voting? Sure, yeah, yeah. More, more touchdowns is great. But the most important thing is securing the W, and that's exactly what Marvin Harrison Jr. is doing. That's exactly what Caleb Williams is doing. That's exactly what Drake May is doing. That's exactly what Jaden Daniels is doing. That's the reason why the people who are throwing at the combine are going to be roughly the same people you saw at the Senior Bowl. Because they're the people who have something to gain. But if you have nothing to gain because your draft stock is already targeted at being a top 10 pick... You have a lot more to lose than you have to gain. So what are you doing? You're securing the W. It's the same thing. It's the same behavior. We just like it when our football team does it, but we don't like it when our football players do it. It's the same thing. The logic is identical, and I have absolutely no problem with it. Last week, we talked about wide receiver scouting, and I outlined for you kind of a high-level version of the way that I go about scouting wide receivers. And the reason why I did that last week is so I could talk about this this week. I only shared that so I could share this. Differences in opinion on prospects are going to pop up a lot. There are very few universally loved prospects. Even the people you think are surefire locks to go number one overall have people who detract from them. There are people out there who think Caleb Williams is a fourth-round pick. I'm not saying they're right. I'm not saying they're wrong. 
I am saying that no matter what opinion you have in the draft community, you can probably find someone who has a very, very different one. But why is that? So now that we've framed the things that we talked about last week as far as wide receivers and the things that you're evaluating, I want to put that into context. Differences in opinion on prospects come from three things. Number one, evaluation of the input. Number two, weighting of the input. Number three, contextual items. So we're going to go through them one at a time. First one, evaluation of the input. I mentioned to you last week that one of the things that I care about is how a receiver performs at the catch point. But I care less about that than I do about the other things that go into route running to get the receiver open. I mentioned all those things. And everybody who has any meaningful background in scouting players, anyone who's not doing it crazy casually, has a set of criteria. But it's not about the set of criteria because the set of criteria is very, very similar person to person. If you ask literally anyone who scouts players, they're going to have a list that looks at least somewhat tangentially like mine. But what is it that separates that? It's evaluation of the input. Do you know what you're looking at? Do you know when you see something that that's a good release versus a bad one? Do you know that that type of release is going to get eaten up over and over and over again in the NFL? If you see someone and he consistently gets off the line of scrimmage, but he does it using the exact same release every single time, but release variety isn't really that important to you because he got off. You're just thinking to yourself, man, he, every time he, he, he gets rid of press. Okay, cool. But you can't really have one arrow in your quiver when it comes to release package and expect to be successful long-term evaluation of the inputs going to be different because one person might look at that and go, yes, release check mark. I'm good. And another person might look at that and go release. Yeah, he did, but it was the same thing every single time. I don't know if he has the diversity of release package to be able to succeed against press coverage in the NFL. You both looked at the same stuff, but one of you evaluated what you were looking at differently than the other one. In addition, sample comes into this. Most people who evaluate prospects do not watch 17 games of that prospect. Sometimes there isn't 17 games to be able to do it. I just use 17 because it's NFL season, but college is not 17 games. But frequently, you watch a three or four game sample size because you, you can't watch. I mean, you, you wouldn't ever be able to get through players if you watched every single snap of every single player. You just can't do it. But what if my three-game sample size is different than Bob's three-game sample size? What if the sample size that I chose when evaluating Jerry West is three games where he didn't have any meaningful reps against press coverage? But the other guy had three games that did show that. He's going to come back with different stuff because it's not about do you know what you're seeing. It's were you seeing the same things, literally. Were you seeing the same things? Did you actually see the same reps that I did? One of the things that's a challenge for me with specific receivers and specific conferences is I have to look and look and look and look and look to make sure I'm not missing games they played where they got pressed. Because I keep looking and looking and looking and looking and going, okay, I'm, 
I didn't see any. I, it's just sitting there blank. It's it's N.A. on my scouting report. It says N.A. I, I, I don't know if they can succeed against press. I haven't seen anything. So I end up watching more games than I should because I'm looking to try and fill that box. But if somebody else out there had a, for example, a much more advanced college football knowledge base than I did, maybe they know what college defense is off the top of their head. Boom. I know this person runs press. I know they do. So I'm going to go look for this game that this player had against that defense that I know runs press because then I'll be able to answer that question. They're smarter than me. They already know. Well, just go look at the Boston College tape and you'll see them against press. Where me, I don't know Boston College defense like the back of my hand. I don't know who their defensive coordinator is off the top of my head and exactly what type of system they run. So now I'm going to spend more time trying to search for it, and maybe I don't. So do you know what you're seeing? And are you actually looking at the same thing? That's all influencing the evaluation of the input. The second thing is the weighting of the input. I mentioned that contested catchability is fairly low on my list of priorities. Why? Because I would just prefer you get open and not have to make the contested catch. So from a weighting standpoint, I weight that less significantly than the ability to separate. You may have your own biases that come from the era of football that you grew up in or what it is you think your specific team needs because very few of us are going into this draft process completely team neutral. Like I said, I'm much more of a football fan than I am a Buffalo Bills fan. We've established this. If the Bills stopped being a team tomorrow, I would still watch the NFL and I'd still love it and it would still be great. But we're all coming through there with some sort of lens, a Bills lens, and that can influence your weighting of the input. And that right there, that's a significant factor in quarterback evaluation. What are the things that matter to me? In today's NFL... A lot of the best quarterbacks in the league are people who can make things happen off schedule. There are still a significant chunk of people who devalue that trait in a quarterback. Then there's other people who value it way too much. The NFL scouting community is still trying to kind of figure out how much they're supposed to weight your ability to make plays out of structure. Are you making them out of structure because you can't play in structure? One of the knocks on Russell Wilson for a significant part of his career was that he plays out of structure too much because he can't play in structure as much. And so, yeah, he can make a great play out of structure, but it would be a better play if he just stayed on schedule. That's an example of weighting of the input. You and I are going to have different opinions on a prospect if the factors that that prospect brings to the table are weighted differently from me than you. Oh, I value that more than you do. That's why I don't usually get all up in arms. If I say, ah, I think somebody's an early day two pick and someone goes, ah, I think he's an early day three pick. You know what that means? One of these two things is probably at play. Either they saw different stuff than me. One of us knows less or more than the other one as far as what they're looking at. Or, and the most common one, we saw the exact same thing. You just weight stuff differently than I do. Certain things are more important to you than they are to me. We have our own scouting biases. The third thing is contextual items. This is information that one of us has that the other one might not have. Character, medical. 
every year, there are players who slide completely out of the draft or slide significantly farther than I thought they were. Why? Because the teams have information that I don't. The teams have a medical that I don't on a heart issue. The teams have a character red flag that I don't know about because there's background and it would only show up when they were investigating that. Every year that happens, every single year. And frequently it's medical and character. In fact, I'm always surprised when it's not medical and character. It's like, it's not medical, it's not character. Just the entire league thought he was a sixth round pick and I thought he was a third round pick. That doesn't happen nearly as often. Most of the time, it's contextual items. It's items that if we knew, that would have given context to where they were drafted or not drafted. Medical and character. So those three things are the source of pretty much every difference of opinion in regards to draft prospects. Evaluation of the input, weighting of the input, and contextual items. Part of having meaningful discussions, I understand that social media is not really the place for having like good discussions about prospects because we all just scream at each other. But if you're ever having a beer with someone, you actually want to have an actually good discussion. If you keep asking questions, you can probably figure out what the difference is. I absolutely love that part of a conversation with somebody where I can keep asking questions and figure it out. Eventually I get to the, boop, there it is. There's the crux to the issue. We've gotten to the bottom of it. We've dug deep. We figured it out. So as we're going through the scouting season, keep it in mind when you have a difference of opinion with someone that it's probably one of those three things. We are going to take a quick break. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. 
And right now, hits the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. We took a late break, and I think this is going to be a short segment because it's going to just be me getting caught up on emails, and that will be basically it. First off, Alex says, hey, Bruce, I sent you an email late in the season I'd asked you for three to five words to sum up the Buffalo Bills season. And I said at that time, the words were challenge, grow, and overcome. And he circled back with me. And he said, hey, Bruce, I'm wondering if this response has changed based on how the season concluded. My answer is no. My three words are still the same. Challenge, grow, overcome. Now it's different now because I think you're challenging yourself to get over the hump. You're challenging yourself to make the right moves. You have limited resources now, more so than you did previously. I think the way that you're going to deal in a limited resource environment is you have to get growth from players on the roster. I think you need some of the players that are already on the field to get better. I think you need people like Khalil Shakir and James Cook to get better. I think you need Terrell Bernard and Matt Milano to get better playing together because they didn't get a lot of games together this year. I think you need Ed Oliver to continue his trajectory. I think you need Gregory Rousseau to get better. I think you need Kyer Elam to get better. I think that'll be helpful for this team. I think Christian Benford staying healthy would be a good thing. You have a challenge that you're going to have to grow to overcome. So not only do I not think the three words are differently, I actually think they're pretty well reinforced by the status of this team right now. Now, I had two different Patricks send me emails. So Patrick number one says, Hey Bruce, forgive me if I missed the explanation. I just started listening to your podcast following your appearance on Joe Marino's Locked On Bills podcast this fall. Have you told listeners why you choose to keep your identity and full-time vocation private? And segueing to a real football question, presumably, Bean had a number of moves in mind prior to the NFL raising the annual salary cap. Are there any meaningful moves now on the table? It seems that we go all in again on a player. We're just kicking the salary cap down the road. Would it make more sense for at least a year to look for bargains and hope several draft picks hit? That way we're more competitive as a free agency suitor in 2025. I would be very, very surprised if the Bills made a Von Miller splash. That was the splash move. They made the all-in move. It did not go the way they wanted it to. He got hurt. He's still not recovered. He's in his mid-30s. That was the all-in move. You wanted all the chips in the table. That was it. You got it. You don't go all-in every single year. That's not a thing. Teams live in a limited resource environment, and that's not going to happen. So I would be surprised. It's nice, but from a free agent acquisition standpoint, the Bills getting more cap room doesn't matter because everybody got more cap room. So from an acquisition standpoint, it has no effect whatsoever because... Everybody got more room. In fact, they all have an equal number of more room than they did before. Now, from a retention standpoint, it could change things. There was a move that you previously may have thought you were going to have to make as far as a cut, that now you don't have to make it. Or there was a restructure 
that you thought you were going to have to make that now you don't have to make, which means you are more likely to be able to get rid of that player in the future. So from a retention, yes or no, there are players that you are more likely to retain because you have more cap space, and there are players you are less likely to retain in the future because you have more cap space now. But from an acquisition standpoint, I don't think it does anything. Because everybody's got more money to work with. So all the teams that you were planning on bidding against for that player, they all have it. Well, Bruce, those additional millions of dollars, they were previously taking us off the table for a player, but now they're putting us on the table for a player. Sure, but there are other teams like that too. There are other teams who that money was going to take them off the table for that player, and now it's putting them on the table for that player. So from an acquisition standpoint, I don't think it does anything. From a retention standpoint, I think it changes qualitatively who you might get rid of this year and also who you might be able to get rid of next year because you don't have to restructure their deal this year. In regards to the why I don't talk about my real name or my vocation, it's really a, a split thing for me. I fully intend to keep this part of my life separate from every other part of my life. I do not have any intention of anyone seeing me at the store and going, hey, Bruce, like, I, I don't want that. You know, leave me alone. So um, fame is not important to me. There are a lot of people who are actual celebrities. I'm clearly not, but actual celebrities who will tell you that the fame is the worst part of their life. They just, they can't go out and have dinner with their wife because they'll bump into a bunch of people who know them and want autographs, stuff like that. Now, that that's, wasn't going to happen to me, but I have bumped into someone in real life who listens to the show before. He just didn't know he was talking to Bruce Nolan. And so I just don't want to do it. I want to keep that stuff separate. And also there's a mental health part of my life that really appreciates me keeping those two things separate. The other Patrick, Patrick number two says, Hey Bruce, great work on the pod. I really enjoyed the content throughout the season. I'm looking forward to listening, going into another draft season. I wanted to ask you about butts. No prospect is perfect, and everyone has flaws. That makes an evaluator say he's good, but. E.g., Xavier Worthy is great, but his lack of size may be an issue at the next level when he'll face press coverage. Not all of these flaws are equal, though, and some are things you can live with with certain positions. The classic example being corners who aren't great tacklers. That matters more than just not being fast. So, for the Bills' top positional draft needs, what buts are you willing to live with? I am willing to live with suboptimal size as long as it's not too small to be able to handle physicality during your route. And I'm willing to live with suboptimal contested catchability as previously established. When it comes to defensive tackle, which is another need the Buffalo Bills had, I am willing to live with lack of height. I think height is overrated in a defensive tackle. Arm length is important, but if I have a 6'1 guy versus a 6'4 guy, it doesn't matter to me that much. So I'm willing to live with that. I'm also willing to live with someone whose 40-yard dash is really bad. I don't think that's relevant at all for a defensive tackle. I care about the 10-yard split, but 40-yard dash for defensive lineman, if it's 5'3", I'm like, all right, you know, whatever. It's bad, but... Okay. If their 10-yard split's good and they just don't have that gear, that's fine. Second gear's not important. You're never going to go on second gear as a defensive tackle, or at least very rarely. When it comes to safeties, 
I really need my safeties to be pretty well-rounded. But if you have to ask me to give up something, I'm not going to give up tackling. I'm not going to give up spatial awareness. I'd probably give up man coverage ability. If you have to give me something, because safeties don't play a lot of man, the ability to roll a safety down to the box and put them over a slot receiver, for example, is something that's so unbelievably uncommon that if you get it, it's great. It's amazing. But it's not something that I look at and go, I absolutely have to have it. If I have to give up something, I'll give up that. So those are a couple things that I'm willing to sacrifice. It's a little bit like house shopping, right? You can't have everything that you want exactly at the price you want. You have to give somewhere. So for my wife and I, when we're looking for a house, one of the things that we always told the realtor when we were looking for a house was, I don't really care about the paint color or the carpet color. Like people get turned off by that stuff. I don't care at all. I can change that stuff. It doesn't matter to me. People get turned off because they have a hard time imagining the house looking different than it is. But if I walk into a house and I say, hey, I hate this paint color. Who cares? I don't even acknowledge I hate the paint color. I don't even pay attention to the paint color or the carpet color. You're going to replace the carpet in the first 10 years anyway. I, I don't really care about it. So to me, that's the way that I, I look at it. Well, I said it was going to be a, a short one and it, it didn't end up being a short one. It ended up being about normal. So once again, the joke continues because I got a little bit loquacious when I was chatting about college prospects. But I'm sure you all will forgive me for that. But if you don't, then I'll just go to my wife and say, well, sweetheart, that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumblings. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic.